Welcome to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We believe that there is no message more life-changing and more relevant than the gospel. It is our earnest prayer that you will be enriched as a disciple and that you will hear the good news today. Church, you can have a seat. It is a special day today. This is the first sweater vest of the season. Yes. Timeless, Dan. It's a timeless look. Super modern. Thank you. Almost like brick. So if you read John's gospel, and we studied it earlier this year. I know it's been a few sleeps since then, but, but we, we, we studied through it. And so you should be pretty familiar with John's gospel. If you read John's gospel, it is a whirlwind of action that feels like it should end with the last words of chapter 20. All right? When it starts, John's gospel opens with the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. The next chapter, Jesus is turning water into wine at a wedding. And then just two chapters after that, he's talking with a woman at a well and changing her life. A few chapters later, Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead, which we studied last week. Healing the sick. Telling all kinds of spiritual truths and inviting people into relationship with God. Then, as we move into chapter 14, Jesus Jesus calms things down and he sits, his, he sits his followers down and he starts to explain to them on a heart and soul level about his own purpose and his life and his mission. And he promises them the Spirit as a guide, a helper, an advocate. Then he goes to pray in Gethsemane. He gets arrested. He gets beaten. He gets deprived of justice. And then he's crucified. He dies. He's taken off the cross and he's put into a tomb. The stone is rolled in front of the tomb, sealing his body in. Then on the third day, by the power of the Spirit of God, the Father raises the Son to life. Amen. Amen. Jesus is alive. The tomb is rolled, or the stone is rolled away, and the the, the disciples find the tomb empty. And then the risen Jesus appears to his stunned followers. And the doubters even get the chance to touch his side and his hands. And Thomas the skeptic is, 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 is brought to a point of confession where he says, My Lord and my God. And then John gives us this wonderful summary statement. At the end of chapter 20... In verses 30 and 31, look at this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Roll the credits, pass the baskets, let's sing the last song. That's where that should end. Like that is your the end scene. That's not where John stops his gospel. There's one more chapter. What could possibly happen 
in that chapter. That this should be the end, but it's not. John has what we call in the business an epilogue. This last chapter. And today I want you to look at the epilogue because I want to talk to you about the comeback that is found in the epilogue. So now, if you will, I'm going to ask you to stand again in honor of the authority of God and the Word of Scripture as we read together from John chapter 21, the epilogue to John's Gospel, the first six verses. This is the part of the story that John couldn't leave out. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Heavenly Father, thank you for second chances and third chances and fourth chances and tenth chances. And hundredth chances. And thousandth chances. God, your mercy and your grace astound me. I am captivated by your kindness towards us. God, today I ask that as your children listen, you will speak, Father. And that we will hear your word. In Christ's name, amen. amen. You can be seated. Now I'm going to tell you, I think it's great news that there is this epilogue, this final chapter. Another, another last act in John's gospel. Because there's still unfinished business at the end of the life of Jesus. And in particular, in the life of one man, Simon Peter. Now Simon Peter was the gung-ho disciple, okay? Simon Peter, we, we might see a little bit of ourselves in Simon Peter, and at the end of the story, he's hurting. And I think Jesus loved him too much to let his hurt go unresolved. Because as gung-ho as he was, man, Simon was confident, he was capable, he was brash, he was bold, 
Peter made a lot of promises. He spoke first and he thought later. He often wanted to be the greatest disciple. He wanted to be the best disciple. He wanted people to know how good he was. He wanted Jesus and everyone else to know, I'm the guy that you can count on, Jesus. Peter made a lot of promises and told Jesus, I'm the guy who has what it takes. You can count on my brawn, you can count on my sword, you can count on my zeal, you can count on my dedication. Peter even insisted to Jesus, I would die for you. Have you ever sounded like that? Jesus, I promise you this time, I am 100% in. I am completely committed. I am, you can count on me this time, Jesus. This time I'm not giving in. I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. This time I won't mess up. But when Peter makes this promise to Jesus, I'll die for you. Jesus basically says, no you won't. And when Peter says, you can always count on me, Jesus says, no, I can't. Jesus Jesus wants us to understand our constant need for the extravagant grace of God. So he tells Peter in no uncertain terms, actually, Peter, I can't count on you. In fact... Before the sun comes up and the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three different times. Can you imagine how it must have felt when Peter heard that stupid rooster? That not once, not twice, but three times. He had did the thing he swore he wouldn't do. You see, I, I, I get the feeling we all know what it feels like to let Jesus down. That we've all made big promises, bold promises to Jesus that we've then broken. That we've made big, big commitments, but then we failed to keep them. And we've all let Jesus down, not once, not twice, but many times... And when we've heard that rooster crow, we realize that we just blew something big. We can't believe we put ourselves in that compromising situation. Can't believe what we just said. We can't believe that we just acted the way we acted, that we crossed the line. We swore we would never cross. And that is why the last chapter of John is written. It's to show us that big foul-ups happen, but Jesus still loves us, chooses us, and welcomes us at his table. Big mistakes happen, but Jesus is not done with us. You see, the last chapter of John's gospel actually 
When, 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 when after it's faded to black and we think we've gotten the end of the story, then all of a sudden there's this epilogue chapter and it comes back open and you see the Sea of Galilee, which just happens to be where the whole thing began. We're 70 miles from Jerusalem. Okay, we're, we're, we're at the Sea of Galilee where this whole thing began, where they first met Jesus. And the disciples are all in a boat fishing. And, and Jesus is watching them from the shore, but they don't recognize who he is. They've gone a long way in three years. These disciples have. But that night, most of them ran. There was the arrest. And they fled. And the ones that didn't run, denied. Then there was the cross. So here they are, back to whatever life looks like without Jesus. And so it's no surprise they go back to what they had before Christ. So this is their BC life that they've gone back to fishing. It's almost that by going fishing, Peter is declaring that his career as a disciple was finished. He had had his chance to follow Jesus, but he blew it big time. And I find it to be interesting. Whenever we fail, whenever we mess up, it's amazing how the enemy takes that opportunity to come in and talk to us so that it lessens our trust in God. Get that? I messed up. But the enemy gets me to lose trust in God. The enemy steps in and says, you blew it. And I'm like, I know, but there's grace. And the enemy says, would you take you back? How, how seriously would you take your apology right now if, if you were God? Would you trust you? No? Well, I wouldn't either. Do you think God does? And all of a sudden, I begin to question God's trustworthiness because of my own sin. Maybe God is too fed up with me. Maybe God's tired of me apologizing over and over and over. So we find ourselves, instead of going to God, we head right back to the mess that we were in. When this all started, I'll, I, maybe I'll start drinking again because I can't turn back to God and I don't have anything else. Maybe, maybe I'll go back to this unhealthy relationship. I mean, I'm pretty sure that God doesn't love me anymore and I don't really have anywhere else to go. I'll go back to these old friends, to the old harmful things that I know we used to do. And I know they won't satisfy, but at least they'll be familiar. I'll just go back to what I know. But, but watch this, watch this, watch this. They go back to what they know. They go back to what's familiar. They go back to the way they used to live. And what do they get? 
nothing. Isn't that something? They go back out on the water, back out with the boats, back out with the nets, doing the things that they know how to do because they used to do them a lot. Now they're back at it, and what do they get? Nothing. Isn't that the way it is? Jesus calls out, haven't you caught any fish? And it's a little obscured in the English, but in, in Greek, it's a, little, it's a little snarky. I don't, I don't see many fish out there. It's basically what he's saying. You know, if, if he put on his Dr. Phil voice, he'd be like, how's it working for you? You know, like, like I mean, he would, he would, that was way too good. I should, I should, I should take that on the road. Anyway, um, he, uh, he's asking them, you don't have any fish, do you? You've gone back to what you were doing. You don't have anything to show for it, do you? Jesus knew that they had returned to their old way of life and that their old way of life was fruitless. And so Jesus says, Try, try the right side of the boat. These guys have been out there all night. Um, how many of you consider yourselves fishermen? And I'm not talking in the churchy way. I'm talking about how many of you consider yourself pretty good at fishing. All right, I see a few of y'all. Your hands should be up. Mark. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I'm not. I can cool off a lake in a hurry. If you want to invite me, what you wanted to do was talk because the fish weren't biting. All right, that's it. But if you know how to fish, you might realize how insulting this is. It would be like me saying, well, Jason, why don't you just drop a line in there? Oh, is that all? Should I bait it? Maybe. Well, yeah, go ahead and do that. Try some bait. Like, I'm sure they want to reply sarcastically to this guy. The problem is, they don't have any fish. If you just had one. No. Um, but they, they, they instead are like, okay, well, maybe. But I would bet they've tried every side of that boat over the course of the evening. Left, right, front, back. They might have put the nets above them at one point, just in case. Like, I, I, I would bet they've tried every place they can put that net, and they've not gotten anything. And so rather than say, why didn't we think of that, they listened to his voice. And this is before the text says they recognize him. This is what's wild. Maybe, maybe the sheep know his voice before they even recognize him. And they put the net down on the right side of the boat. Boom. Greatest catch ever. They can't even haul it into the boat. They got to drag it all in. And, 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 and John, if you read, is the first one who notices. Peter, though, is going to be the first one who jumps out of the boat and decides to swim in. But see, here's what I find in this. Jesus knew exactly what they were looking for and exactly where they could get it. You haven't caught any fish. Try the right side of the boat right now. Jesus knew exactly what they were looking for and exactly where they could get it. Now here's my question, Trent. Here's my question. Do you think that's still true? 
This is a good one to say yes to. Yeah. Okay, good. We're in, we're in church. Make your parents proud. No, I'm just playing. He said yes. He was just quiet. Um, but no, uh, it, Jesus knew what they were looking for, knew exactly where they could find it. Jesus still does. Oh, you're looking for a friend. I know exactly where you can find that. Oh, you're looking for love. I know exactly where you can find that. You're looking for acceptance. I know exactly where you can find that. You're looking for purpose. I know exactly where you can find that. You're looking for healing. I know exactly where you can find that. Jesus will give us the opportunity. This is gospel. This is gospel. Peter has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus, this story, Jesus says, put the net down on the right side of the boat. Jesus will give us the opportunity to once again trust and obey. To lean into faith. You will get another opportunity. I blew it. You will get another opportunity to trust and obey. But if you don't listen to his voice, you will remain in that fruitless place. Amen? Amen. Is this thing on? If you, if you don't listen and obey, if you don't listen to his voice, you're going to remain in that fruitless place. But you'll get another opportunity because Jesus doesn't give up on people. Like I said, John is the first one who notices who it is. He says, I think it's the Lord. Peter says, well, in that case, I'm swimming in. Once again, I'm going to show him that I'm more dedicated than everyone. It's Peter's M.O. Maybe he still has a little more to learn. When the disciples reach the shore, they find Jesus with a warm fire, some fish on it, some fresh bread. And it's in this environment that Jesus finally addresses Peter. And when he does, there's no judgment. There's no lecture. There's no condemnation. The first thing they find from Jesus is acceptance and provision. Friends, come and eat with me. The first thing they get is acceptance and provision. And after they receive acceptance and provision is when the real conversation starts about whether or not Peter loves him. The first thing they receive from Jesus is acceptance and provision. Jesus welcomes them to his table. And get this, Jesus serves them. You see, this is good news. Even when we've failed, Jesus is alive. Remember, they, when they failed, the last time they saw Jesus was what? Cross. And maybe he came back and appeared in that room. But you could maybe start to wonder, were we seeing things? Were we thinking things? Here he is in the flesh. They're going to have breakfast with him. Even when we failed, Jesus is alive. Jesus loves us. And Jesus has a purpose for us. So he shows up with provision, with acceptance, 
And once he's welcomed them to the table, that's when Jesus asks, Peter, do you love me? And if you pay attention really closely, look at verse 15, which is kind of the first time he says it. He says, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these. Now, there's been a lot of ink spilled on what in the world that last bit of that sentence means. More than these. These what? And there are some people that think, and some scholars who think, that Jesus is talking about the fish and the nets and the boats, saying, Peter, I remember one time you walked away from all of this because you believed I was the one. Are you sure you want to go back to this? Or do you still believe I'm the one? Do you love me more than these? But there's another way of hearing it, right? That sitting around the fire with with all of the other disciples, Jesus says, Hey Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you love me more than these people love me? Because you've sure spent a lot of your life trying to prove that to me. That you're the one I can count on even if all the rest of them fail. That you're the one who will come through even if the rest of them don't. That you're the one who's really committed. You're the one who swam in. It just might be that Jesus is asking Peter, who was always trying to raise himself above the other disciples, who wanted to be first, who wanted to position himself as Jesus' go-to guy, do you love me more than these folks? And Peter sticks to his guns. He doesn't back down. He says, you know I do. You know I love you. Here's the deal. I think Peter's telling the truth. I think he loves Jesus. Because I think it's possible to love Jesus and really mess up. I've got some firsthand experience as my evidence. Okay, I, I think he means it. Here's the deal. I'm going to go a step further. I think that Jesus knew it. That Jesus knew, Peter really does love me. He knew that Peter truly loved him. He also knew that Peter was a work in progress. And that, but for all of his mistakes, Peter's love was still there. So why does he ask him two more times, do you love me? Because the more Jesus asks, the more frustrated Peter gets. Jesus didn't ask Peter these questions because he wanted Peter to be more confident in himself. Jesus keeps asking Peter this question because Jesus wanted Peter to be confident in God. Peter, you're not dependable. I am. Peter, you won't come through every time, but I do. Peter, 
you're going to fail me. I will never fail you. Peter, saving the world doesn't rest on you. It rests on me. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is going to trust Peter with some big things real soon. Peter's going to go on to be the cornerstone of the early church. Jesus knew that about him. But Jesus knew that Peter wasn't ready for that responsibility until Peter knew that Jesus was the real cornerstone. And as long as Peter thought everything depended on Peter, then Jesus couldn't use him yet. Peter needed to depend on Jesus first. And so every time he tells Peter, feed my sheep. In other words, Jesus is telling Simon Peter that he wasn't disqualified just because he blew it big time. Jesus was telling Simon Peter that in spite of his biggest failures, he wasn't out. In spite of his biggest failures, he wasn't out. All right, I'm going to try again. (laughs) In spite of his biggest failures, he wasn't out. Good, now you're ready to hear the next part. In spite of your biggest failures, you're not out. Okay, that's the gospel. We're not out. And get this, here's why we're not out. Because the thing we need most is not to be perfect. The thing we need most is to be in love with Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Not, Peter, will you never make that mistake again? He doesn't ask him, Peter, will you promise me you'll never let me down? He says, Peter, do you love me? The goal is not that I say, okay, now I'm going to be perfect. No, the goal is for me to love Jesus with everything I have, with my heart, with my soul, with my mind, with my strength. It's almost like that should be in the Bible somewhere. (laughs) Kenny, go ahead and bring your team up. All right. I know someone out there is thinking right now, but Adam, there are consequences to sin. Consequences for letting ourselves down and letting Jesus down. And those consequences are real, and I would say, yes, they are. The consequences are real. When I've blown it, the consequences are real. But the gospel is that grace is more powerful than consequences. That what if Jesus is actually telling Simon Peter and us, yes, there are consequences, but I want to walk through those consequences with you. Yes, there are consequences, but I want to love you through those consequences. 
Yes, there are consequences. But I want to use those consequences in this whole big story I'm telling. Do you trust me? Amen. Have I got news for you today? Some might call it good news. Consequences don't define the Christian life. God is bigger than consequences. Even if you've denied Christ, He'll invite you to His table. Even if you've denied Christ, He'll still serve you breakfast. He will still serve you mercy and love. He will still use you to build his church. Listen to this. Listen to this promise that's found in Lamentations chapter 3. This blows my mind. I actually want to I, I I share with you 22. I know I said 23, but I'm going to read 22 and 23. But in 22 it says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions never fail. And then in 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. So the question is, will you claim those mercies this morning? They are new for you. That you may have blown it big time, but the enemy is lying to you because your Lord will welcome you back. Because grace is bigger than consequences. Because consequences don't define our life, grace does. Because it's too good to be true, and it's true. That's the gospel. And if somehow you want to make it more fair and say, no, I don't like that. That's too generous. Who are you to question the giver? You are so loved in spite of the worst failures in your life. In spite of the things that went sideways and wrong and you're the person to blame, God loves you. And God calls you back because your story's not done. His mercies are new every morning. Amen? Amen. If you don't know Jesus yet, I want to baptize you into Christ today. We can do that today if you don't know Jesus yet. Here in a moment, we're going to go to the four corners. We're going to pray. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. That we as a family are going to do everything we can to live this message out. That we're never too far gone. That grace is bigger than we ever realized. Amen? Let's stand and let's praise our God. We sincerely thank you for listening and pray that you were blessed today. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, to support our ministry, or to contact us with any prayer needs you may have, head over to www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.